I pray that you will work in us today. And we submit ourselves to you. We surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our wills to you and ask you to open our hearts and minds to your word now by your spirit to move in us and to change us, to put us in the place and the flow of your blessing, not just so we can receive it, but so that we can be used powerfully by you. So help us now as we look into your word in Jesus' name. Thank you for that. Go ahead and be seated and take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs, which is where we are right now and will be for the next several weeks as we spend the summer getting smarter about our life in all the different areas of our life as we apply um, God's wisdom in every area of our lives. Our theme verse for our Get Smart series comes from Proverbs 4-7. You can actually go to Proverbs chapter 12. That's where we're going to be starting this morning. But here's our theme verse, Proverbs 4, 7. Wisdom is supreme, therefore get wisdom. Though it costs all you have, get understanding. If you do a careful study of that chapter, chapter 4, you will see that the writer is, ex- is expressing to us that if we will love her, that is wisdom, if we will love her, she will watch over us. If we don't forsake her, she will protect us. If we esteem her, she will exalt us. If we honor her and we embrace her, she will honor us and embrace us. We're exhorted to listen and pay attention to the sound teaching, to lay hold of these words with all of your heart, and when you do, then you can really live. But if we don't, then we really don't know how to live. I loved uh, Gino. Gino, you're sitting in like a really strange place today. I love it. I had to like search for you, but thank you for last week. Didn't he do an amazing job last week bringing the word to us? And I just want to um, thank you for that. I learned so much. I love sitting underneath your teaching. And um, I wrote down all kinds of things that were really changing me Um, and impressing me, but I loved your story about the 10-year-old Gino. Um, You know, the the, the 10-year-old Gino who went to his dad with a pressing, life-changing, life-altering question. And I just picture dad sitting there going, yes, son, what is your life-changing question you want to ask? Come on, 10 years old, you want to ask your father, I'm ready, son, to impart wisdom. What was Muhammad Ali's name before he was Muhammad Ali? I, that just cracked me up, man. And as I was thinking about that, I was, I was pondering this thought. Oh, how different our questions are at 10 than at 20 or at 30. Some of you people older than 30, remember the questions you were asking at 30? Like, oh my word, I'm having children. I haven't even figured out how to be a husband yet. And now I got to figure out how to be a, a father. And I have to figure out how to balance those. And I'm, I got a career over here that I'm really chugging. It's starting to chug along and it's really starting to go. How do I balance all of this? I need some help. Do you remember that? Am I like the only one who wrestled with that? <laughs> Okay, you remember that? I mean, remember in your 40s? I don't know what it is, but somehow in your 40s, you wake up to your past and you realize, my family's really messed up. (laughs) When you're in your 40s, you start going, wait a minute, mom and dad aren't perfect. They have issues. And now I see them (laughs) reflected in me. In your 40s and in your 50s, you start walking by the mirrors and you start walking by. I always see myself in car windows. I walk by and go, because huh, I, <laughs> I think my dad is standing there. You know what I mean? That's what starts to happen. You start asking questions in your 40s about like, well, man, what do I want my family? What do I want my children when they turn 40 to think about me and all that kind of thing? And you hit your 50s and you start thinking about, oh my word, I've only got like, 15, 12 to 15 years left in my, in my ability to 
earn a wage that I'm wor- at, at, at right now. And so like, am I ready? Am I ready for the end? Am I ready to retire? Am I, am I gonna be prepared for that? And you start thinking through all of that stuff and, and on and on it goes. And then you, you guys, listen, I, I can't even imagine what the one pressing question on the mind of a 90-year-old person is. Oh, how different it is, the questions we ask when we're 10 than later on in life. Do you guys remember when you were 21? Does anybody, can you, can you remember that far back? I, you know, remember the, the, the pressing questions that you had at 21, like, man, I'm finishing college, now what? You know, I mean, what? What's my career going to be? What job am I going to like? Where am I going to live? Am I going to go to the same church? Am I, I mean, do you remember those kinds of questions? Well, I thought it would be interesting because um, Michael Cox just turned 21. And Michael Cox is the son of Matt Cox, our music pastor and Sherry. And, and um, Michael was 11 years old when he came to this church. And dude, I've watched you grow up into a man, and now you're 21 How's, how's that? How awesome is that? I'm 21! I remember that, you know, but I thought, I wonder what is pressing in the heart of a 21-year-old in the world in which we live today because I'll bet you it's a lot different than however many years ago it was when I was 21 and the questions I was asking. So I, I asked Michael if he would come up here. I have no idea what he's going to ask you, okay? But I asked Michael to come up here and ask the question, the one pressing question on his heart at 21 years old, living in the post-pandemic world we're living in today. And the I don't even want to open those doors. I don't even want to go there. And all the different things we're tired worrying about now and thinking about, we might be at the end of the age. We're at least at the end of an age, in the America that we live in today, and Bridget is Michael's girlfriend, right? And I don't know how long you guys have been, but I, and Bridget's 20, so I thought, I'm gonna ask this young couple, this young dating couple, come up here, come on. And I, we're gonna have you. It makes me a little nervous because I have no idea like what they're going to ask and so like it makes me nervous because I don't know what is what is on your heart. So yeah, you guys just There you go. That works. Cuz I'm going to start with you Bridget. So you have this whole congregation to ask the pressing question that you have on your heart. Okay? So what I want to do is I want you to say I want you to ask the question that is on your brain the most at 20 years old right now, and then we'll ask if somebody wants to give you the answer, okay? Well, I definitely have a couple, but I'd say one that is pretty often on my heart and my mind is um, like in a secular work environment, especially at this age and time of the world, um, is like how to shine like a Christ-like light in the midst of all the, the worldliness that I'm around all the time, so I'd say that's one. Okay, so... Don't give it to him yet. So how to shine, how do you shine your light in a secular work environment in the world which we live today? Who wants to take a stab at that? (laughs) Come on, she's asking. This is a press. I asked her to ask what is the number one most pressing question on her heart as a 20-year-old. That's the most pressing question. How are you going to answer that? What? <laughs> Romans 12, 2. Romans 12, 2. Quote it. Do not conform to the people you're working with. He's going to help you at the end of the service. He's going to fig- help you figure everything out and, and make that happen, okay? You see what's on the hearts of people, though. I mean, this is, what, this is real stuff. That's a real question, right, okay. that you have on how do you 
actually live. We're, we're doing it right now in this wisdom series. Applying God's word to your life so that you know how to live in the middle of a secular environment like that and survive, not just survive, but thrive because that's what God has for you. Awesome, okay. Michael, you can ask anybody in the congregation and you might wanna pick because that didn't work too well. You might wanna just, <laughs> Uncle Tony, that's Uncle Tony back there so you can, don't ask him again though. Um, ask somebody else, but what is the one question you can ask anybody that you want? Well, uh, can, can I ask Bridget a question? Yes. All right. Bridget? <laughs> Will you marry me? You never know what's gonna happen in church, do you? Man, how awesome, how awesome is, Sherry, are you crying? How awesome is that? Thank you very much, brother. <laughs> I love that, I love that. And you know, um, even the topic we're gonna talk about today is making smarter choices in our relationships what an awesome picture this is of um, the fact that they wanted to do this in church. That, not they, because she had no clue. <laughs> but the fact that Michael wanted to do this in church before his family, before his church family, is, speaks volumes to where they're going to go together in life. So congratulations, family. We're excited about that. Um, where am I? <laughs> as, we, as we roll into this um, relational thing that we're going to talk about today, um, let me refresh your memory on the biblical definition of wisdom contrasted with foolishness. We talked about this two weeks ago, but I want to refresh your memory. I'll bring it up again and again because it's so important that biblically speaking, wisdom is the ability understanding and desire to choose the best, most God-honoring course of action in any situation. Another way of saying that is wisdom is knowledge applied in godliness. Another thing you said last week that was so powerful to me, so simple, but, and I knew it, but it's so powerful to be reminded last week, Gino, is you talked about the mountain of of, of knowledge, you know, that we have over here, but if I don't take, and that's great because we need the knowledge, but if I don't take the knowledge and apply it to my life, in my marriage, in my workplace, in my walk with God, if I don't apply that, it just is a mountain of knowledge, and that's all that it is. That was so, that's, that's so simple, but so profound, because all knowledge does by itself is puff up if we don't take it and apply it to our lives. Wisdom is the ability to understand and desire to choose the best, most God-honoring course of action in any situation. Because every moment of every day, we make choices, and we're faced with choices of all kinds. And wisdom is the capacity not only to know that mountain of, wit of understanding, to know the right to do, but to desire it and to choose it, to see it, and then to act upon it. Now, foolishness is just the opposite. Foolishness is the stubborn refusal to do what wisdom demands. And so today we're gonna focus on getting smart in our relationships, and I'm not going to finish the sermon today, okay? Too many variables going on in the service today, so I'm not gonna finish it, so I'll help you at the end, those of you who are like crazy about your note-taking and everything, all right? Um, so we're going to get through basically the first point, but um, how many of you would agree 
that this topic of getting smart in our relationships is a great topic to discuss right now. I mean, in this, in this age we're living in of isolation, um, separation, the whole weird social media thing, and all the, I say weird because I think it's strange. Does anybody else long for the day when you don't know everything about everybody's life? Does anyone else long for that? I mean, just you kind of, it was like, it was like ignorance was bliss sometimes. I don't really need to know or want to know everything everybody is doing, and yet you get sucked into it. And you're not cool if you're not in it. You're not with it. You're not like on top of it. You're not with everybody's life if you're not in it. And I'm telling you, instead of it making, man, I didn't plan to say this. I know you'll probably disagree with me. I just think instead of making our relationships better, I'm, I fear that they're making them worse. And it's causing more and more strife between people and more judgment. I'll say more about that at another time. But um, the Bible has a lot to say about our relationships. And, and Solomon in the Proverbs has a ton to say about it. He has all kinds of things to say about our interpersonal relationships with each other. So let's start here in Proverbs 12, 26 today. The righteous should choose their friends carefully. Here's why. For the way of the wicked leads them astray. So truth number one in your notes is in your new relationships, Solomon says, be careful. In your new relationships, be careful. Now let me just preface this all by saying I'm talking to believers today. Okay, I'm talking to saved church members, not members of the big C church, okay? I'm talking to all those who know the Lord. In your new relationships, be careful. The righteous should choose their friends carefully. So what do the wise do? The wise, righteous person chooses his friends. That's what wise people do. Wise people don't just float around through life letting their friends choose them. Does that make sense? They choose their friends and wise people choose their friends carefully. That's what Solomon is telling us here. Ever heard these proverbs? You'll never turn out right by doing wrong. Did you ever hear that? I know you've heard this one. You're known by the company you keep. That's what we're going to lean into today because here is the truth. You will become like those you hang with. Now, you might say, wait a minute, no, no, no. Everybody becomes like me. Everybody who hangs with me becomes like me. Okay, you can say that, but the truth is you will become like those you hang with. The righteous should choose their friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. Leads who? Leads the righteous astray. Let me ask you. Do you want your life to be characterized as a strong tree with deep roots? Is that how you want your life characterized? Yes or no? Okay, do you want your life characterized as that strong tree bearing fruit in every season, good or bad, it doesn't what comes, I will always be bearing good fruit and people can come and receive that fruit and they can sit underneath the shade of my trees because I am a strong tree of righteousness. Is that what you want? I do too. Do you want to be prosperous in everything you do? Everybody goes silent on that? Is that unrighteous? Uh, do you want to be prosperous in everything you do? I do, absolutely. Do you want to really live the blessed life that we were talking about and singing about earlier? 
Yeah. Well, David in the book of Psalms tells us how to do that. Psalm chapter one says this. Here's how you get it. Don't walk with the wicked. That's what he said. Don't stand with the sinners and don't join in with the mockers. Because if you do, you will not realize the prosperity that you hope for. You will not realize the strength in your life that you hope for and that you desire. People will not be able to come and sit underneath the shade of your tree because your leaves will be withered. They won't be able to refresh themselves with the fruit off of your life because there won't be any if you walk in the way of sinners and you sit in the seat of the scornful because they are not going in the direction you're going. Does that make sense? We're going to talk about relationships, but we're talking about choosing friends here. And so I'm going to give you this definition of friendship in this discussion today, okay? Here we go. Here it is. Friendship is a unique same-sex relationship where common interests and direction form a bond which stretches and satisfies both people. Let me read that again. Keep it up on the screen, guys. A unique, and I'm going to explain why I have same-sex in there in just a minute. A unique same-sex relationship where common interests and direction form a bond which stretches and satisfies both people. People. When you're looking for your closest, dearest friends, this is what you're looking for. This is what it is. This is the essence of a true friendship. Now, you might ask me, why would you put same sex in there, Phil? Especially in the culture we live in today. Well, here's why. And this is not, thus saith the Lord. I don't have a verse for you on this, okay? This is just me in all I've experienced, in all I've observed in my 59 years here on this earth, that I believe it is dangerous and unnatural to make your dearest and closest friends with those of the opposite sex. Well, that's narrow-minded. Okay, just go with me on this, okay? Just indulge me. I want my daughters, I'm going to raise my daughters, and so I want my daughters to grow up to be women. Right? Because they are. Just wanted to pause there for a second. So I want my daughters to grow up to be women, so what I do, right, the, the wisest natural thing for me to do is to send them down the street and hang out with all the boys down the street. And make their best friends, the girls, make the best friends, the boys down the street. And so what are they going to learn to do? They're going to learn to wrestle and fight and play war and smack each other because that's what boys do. What are little boys made of? Snakes and snails and puppy dog tail. I still don't know what the puppy dog tail thing is. Unless it's just you're jerking that puppy dog tail or something like that. That's what boys are. So that's what I want my girls. I want them to make their best friends so that whenever those boys come into puberty, I don't want to think about that anymore. Okay, I'm going to go over here. So I want my son. I want my son to become a man of God. I want my son to be a man because he is a man and he's going to grow up to be a man. So I want him to be a warrior. So I'm going to send him, because my strategy in that, because that's my goal, I'm going to send him down the street to play with all the girls, and I say, son, I want your best friends, your closest best friends to be all the girls down the street. Now, why is that unnatural and dangerous? Because he's going to grow up playing with dolls. He's going to know all the Barbie outfits, and he's going to be able to match all, you know, have little color swatches and match all everything because that's what he's going to learn. Because girls are made of. Okay, forget that. Because I don't even want to think about when my son becomes puberty, age of puberty, and he starts, all of his hormones start to rage, but his closest, dearest friends are all the girls down the street. Forget that. Man, Phil, this isn't, I don't really agree with you because I have some really good friends. So here's, here's here, so you're a married man 
and you go to work every day. And in your workplace, you make your closest, best friends all the women in the office. Healthy or unhealthy? You, that, you, you're, that, that's what you do. You go make all your closest, you search for all your closest friends in all the women in the office. Okay, can you do that? Yeah, sure, you could do that. Is it wise to do that? What happens when you're sitting and, and you, things go really south at home, and you're sitting with the girls at the office, and you begin to share what's happening at home, what are those girls going to do? They're going to emote with you. They're going to share in that with you, and you're going to form a bond that is going to become or has the potential of becoming a very dangerous, unhealthy bond with those women in the office. And I can tell you story after story after story where that has happened, and it's disastrous for the family, for the couple unwise same goes for you gals you you're you have husbands at home and you go and you make friends with all the men in the do i have to say any more about it i felt like i had to stop there because we have to choose righteous people choose their friends carefully and we need men we need other men in our lives that will hold us accountable and tell us the right thing because Typically, women won't. Ladies, you need other ladies in your lives to help you determine what your emotions are doing and how you're handling the things that you're seeing and help you help speak. I mean, I've been so thankful for the men and women in our lives, me and Robin, who have helped us whenever I'm not thinking straight or Robin's not thinking straight, who have come in and said, you need to straighten up. I can speak into this because I know you. I'm one of you. And so a friendship, a close friendship, is a unique same-sex relationship where common interests and direction form a bond which stretches and satisfies both people. Wisdom demands that we be intentional and careful when choosing those we share our lives with. It's called choosing for a reason. It's deliberate. We think it through. So... What does that look like for a believer? Because that's what we're talking about today. What does it look like for a believer? Here it is, right here. This is very simple. And I know I'm not saying anything you don't already know. We are to go and find the kind of people that are going in the same God-honoring, God-pleasing, God-pursuing direction that we are going on to find our friends. That's what choosing your friends carefully means. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have friends who don't know the Lord. That's not what I'm saying, but we should not rely on unbelievers to meet our friendship needs according to that definition. Why? It's simple. And Solomon tells us, because you will always be drawn to be like the company you keep and you will always end up compromising something in your faith if your best and closest friends are those who are not led by the Spirit of God. And only those in Jesus Christ, the Scripture says, are led by the Spirit of God. It's a dangerous place to have your closest friends be people who do not have a God conscience, who do not have the Spirit of God convicting them of the wrong that they are doing, and they will continue to just go down that road as though it's natural and normal, and it is for them, and draw you right into it. That's why you have to be careful in choosing your friends. You ready to drink from the fire hose of wisdom on this? Open your Bible to 16, Proverbs 16, 28. A perverse person plants seeds of strife, and a gossip separates the best of friends. Whew, that's a good one, Phil, because I'm not a gossip. Well, hang with this person and you will be. No, they won't have that influence on me. Yes, they will. Because look at it again. A perverse person plants seeds of strife. That person is constantly planting those seeds of strife which will turn into gossip and the gossip separates the best of friends. If you don't want to be a gossip, then don't hang with perverse people because they're always planting strife, seeds of strife in the relationships. Be very careful. Here's another one. 
Proverbs 22, 24. Proverbs 22, 24. Jump over to that. Don't befriend angry people or associate with hot-tempered people or you will learn to be like them and endanger your soul. Now, wait a minute, Phil. Shouldn't I hang with angry people so that they'll learn not to be angry? Is that good, is that good counsel? How's that going for you? I'm not making this stuff up, by the way, okay? I'm just reading you what the scripture says. God gave us this word. And what he is telling you that if you befriend angry people and you associate with hot-tempered people, you will learn to be like them. And the result of that is a downward spiral to endanger your own soul. So be very careful. <laughs> can I say this? Very just, can I just whisper this to you? Um, you're not one of those people, are you? Are you an angry person, hot-tempered person? If you are, then this is telling everybody else around you to stay away from you. So you don't want to be that person, right? That's just a side note. How about this one, Proverbs 13, 19? Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and you will get into trouble. Look, go jump over to Proverbs chapter one. He describes this in detail. I love this. Proverbs chapter one, verse 10. So Solomon's talking to his sons, okay, about wisdom and about life. And this is what he says. If young toughs tell you, come and join us, What's the counsel of the dad? Turn your back on them. We'll hide and rob and kill, they say. Good or bad, we'll treat them all alike and the loot we'll get, all kinds of stuff. You see how they're like, this is awesome, this is fun. Come on, throw in your lot with us. We'll split it with you in equal shares. Don't do it, son. Stay far from men like that for crime is their way of life, and murder is their specialty. When a bird sees a trap being set, it stays away, but not these men. They trap themselves. They lay a booby trap for their own lives. Such is the fate of all who live by violence and murder. They will die a violent death. This is where you're going if you walk with fools. This is the end for you, which is the end for them. If you walk with these kinds of people and the counsel of the dad to his sons is stay away. Don't hang with those kinds. Turn your back on them. They're not going in a place that you're going. They're not, they don't have the same goal in mind that you have for your life. And there's no prosperity and there's no blessing down that path that they're going down. So stay away from them and turn your back on them. Do I dare go here? 1 Corinthians 5.11. Let's bring it into the church. Do not associate with anyone who claims to be a believer yet indulges in sexual sin or is greedy or worships idols or is abusive or is a drunkard or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people. We're talking about the church now. What Paul wants us to understand is that in the church there are people who claim to be believers but aren't. You notice, though, that the way you know that they aren't is because they're living in sin. It says that they indulge in sexual sin. They're greedy. They worship idols. They're abusive. They're drunkards and they're cheats. Those kinds of people are not producing the fruit of a, of a truly born-again person of Jesus Christ, a son of God. The Holy Spirit will not allow you to live that way and so if people are living that way and they're claiming to be Christians in the church, stay away from them. Don't even eat with them. He goes on to say, remove this evil person from among you. Why would he say that? Shouldn't we want to keep them in here? Shouldn't we want to keep them here 
so that we could share Jesus with them? What's the answer? No. Can you can you say that? Mm. This is hard. Paul says, he doesn't say, if you notice, please notice. He doesn't say, if a person, if, if a sinner comes into your midst, ignore them. If a sinner comes into your midst, don't offer them Jesus, don't fellowship with them. He doesn't say that. He's talking about an imposter. He's talking about someone who is pretending, someone in your midst who is saying that they're a Christian. They're claiming to be a Christian, and yet they're not living for the Lord. Paul says, remove them from your midst. He goes on to explain why. Don't you know that a little leaven leavens the whole loaf? Don't you know that bad company, verse 33, corrupts good morals? It's serious, you guys. Wisdom demands that you be careful in your relationships. You be careful when choosing your friends. When it comes to those outside the family of God, I haven't lost you, right? You need to listen right now. You need to really listen because you might misunderstand where I'm going here. When it comes to those outside the family of God, Absolutely be friendly, absolutely be uh, courteous, be helpful, be kind, be neighborly, be generous, share Jesus every chance you get, but get your friendship needs met with those who are going where you are going. That's the lesson. That's the principle that we have here. Can I talk to you parents for a minute? Please hear my heart. You know, I was sharing this with Robin, and she says, you're sounding a little Baptist legalistic here. So I want you to hear my heart on this, okay? Um, it is vital, parents, that you have your children, especially your preteens and your teenagers, in our children's and youth ministries. That you bring them to kids' club and to youth group that you send them to every fun trip, every camp, every missions trip, early morning Bible studies, wilderness trips. You immerse them in the ministry of the church. How about this? How about this? Have them here every possible time something is offered for them, especially in the culture that we find ourselves living in today, which is anti-Christ. Why would I do that, Phil? Let me ask you a question. Do you want your sons and daughters to grow up to follow Jesus with their whole hearts? I do. I know you do. No Christian parent goes, I don't really care if they do or not. You, no, your t whole desire is that your children follow the Lord with whole hearts. Let me ask you this. Do you want your sons and daughters to surpass you in faithful service to the king of kings and the impact that you've been having in the world? Do you want them to surpass that? Absolutely. I'm signed up for that. That's what I want my kids to do. I want them to go way past. That's why I want to raise them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord their whole lives in hopes that God will get a hold of them early and they won't have to deal with the sin issues that I have had to deal with pre-Christ. And that they will have pure hearts and they'll have such a head start to go off and do much greater things than mom and dad have ever thought about doing for the kingdom. Well, let me just say it's going, if those are your goals, it's going to be nearly impossible for that to happen if your kids don't have a solid Christian peer group where they're developing their closest, dearest friends with those who are following the Lord and have families who are leading them to follow the Lord. I love you, okay? And I want to say this because I love you. If your child's best and closest friends are their traveling sports teams, or 
their traveling music and drama troops or if your child's closest and best friends are other children that come from families that are prioritizing and going hard after the things that this world has to offer instead of the things that the Lord has to offer in his word, then your child will end up so far off the biblical map so fast that it will make your head swim and you might not get them back. We spend a lot of money here and a lot of human resources here. Thank God for those for those of you who are volunteering in our children's ministry. Pray for us as we find someone to replace Cindy as children's ministry director. But we spend a lot of money and human resources providing you and your children a godly atmosphere where they can find and cultivate godly friendships with kids that are going in the same direction that will help them launch into and grow up in their faith. And parents, you're making a huge mistake if you don't take advantage of what we have to offer your kids. That's all I have to say. We, we do that to partner with you. Elkhart Christian Academy exists. This is, I'm pointing over here because this is Brian, our administrator. But Elkhart Christian Academy exists. We established it almost 50 years ago so that we can partner with parents to raise their children up with a biblical worldview. That's why we've invested all the time and money over the years into that ministry so that you can take advantage of that. Well, wisdom demands we choose friends who are going where we're going, doing the things that we are doing, thinking what we are thinking, fighting for what we are fighting for, and standing for the things of God and his word that we stand for. The righteous choose their friends carefully for the way of the wicked Lead them, leads them astray. By the way, this applies to all of our relationships, like who we go into business with, who we choose to marry and date. Um, the Bible is clear, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And the answer to the why of that is because the outcomes will be devastating. So in your new relationships, be careful. Okay, number two, for those of you who need to fill it in, and we're gonna, you know what's great about church? We'll be back next Sunday. <laughs> and we can just keep on rolling, right? So um, no, number two is going to be, and I can't wait to share this with you, in your closest relationships, be extravagant. And we're going to talk about Proverbs 17, 17, how a friend loves at all times. And then number three is going to be, um, in your broken relationships, hurry up. In other words, do whatever you can as quick as you can to mend the brokenness. So we're going to work on those two things later on. Um, but in, t in, in dealing with the friendship, as I draw this to a close today, um, I wish you could all experience um, just a couple of days of what I get to experience every single day. And that is the privilege of working um, side by side with pastors, um, our paid pastors, our paid elders. Um, who are strong men of God, we're all going in the same direction and we actually like each other. That's an awesome thing, to work together every single day as friends. And um, it's, it was 10 years ago this week that, well, probably a little earlier because 10 years this week is your anniversary, but um, I sat... John Blodgett and I sat in the living room in Borger, Texas of Matt and Sherry Cox and as we explored whether or not God was in them coming here to Indiana from Borger, Texas and um, become our music pastor and today is the 10, this week is the 10 year anniversary that Matt has been here leading us in worship and their family. Come on up here. Come on. And this is just a, a little appreciation from the church, and um, I just want you to know that uh, we love you and are so appreciative of you and your family. What a cool day to like have Michael do his thing, you know, and on the same week that this is happening. But um, I want to say to you, I know a thing or two about music ministry and worship ministry. Um, been involved in it for a long, long time. 
and they don't come any better than Matt. And Matt, you know that, don't you, Sherry? Yeah. <laughs> um, Matt, you do such an amazing job at, at bringing us before the throne in a relevant way. Um, and the thing I love most about you is your desire to train up our lay ministers um, in the same way and share your heart with them and invest your heart in them so that we have an amazing team. You guys, I don't know if you're out there. You know, if, if you don't go to church somewhere when you're on vacation, do it. And you will, you will experience what I have experienced and that we are very blessed with a team that loves the Lord with all their hearts. They're not all into performance and they're into leading us before the throne of grace every single week so that we can accomplish our goal of lifting high the name of Jesus every Sunday as we gather together. So thank you. I'm so glad that God has knit our hearts. I remember sitting in your living room and thinking to myself, I really like these guys. And this can really happen and so thankful that it has and that you took a chance on Indiana <laughs> and um, came up here and have raised your family now um, here and we hope that you're here. This is the start of another 10 year stint is what we hope. So um, thank you guys so much. And one of the other things I love about Matt is his heart um, for the lost. Matt has a real heart to share Jesus with unreached people groups and um, they're getting ready again, you know, with the ministry of Rock Cry Ministry. They're getting ready to take off. They leave on Tuesday. And um, the other men that are going with you are here, right? Uncle Tony, come on up. If, if, if you're going on this trip, come on up at this time. We're going to pray over them right now um, that God will bless them as they go. If you, would you please pick one of these up? I think there's probably one for every family out there, but this is a prayer journal that you can, um, on what to pray for while they're there. Remember I told you about the dam project? They're, they're um, raising money to put a dam up in one of the villages. That story is on here, and one of the th things that I didn't know until today, that the story behind that and the, and the desire to put that dam in is because they are such a need for water. They have a well, and one family lowered their three daughters into the well to, to get water. And they had to get all the way to the bottom of the well and dig down in the dirt to, to expose water so that they can get enough water for the family. And the well caved in on all three girls and killed all three girls. Devastated the village. And so Rock Cry Ministries, with the help of people like you and the generosity of God's people, are going to put a dam in that town so that they can have a water source that doesn't rely on them dropping their daughters down into a well to get water. And so we praise the Lord for being able to do that. But this is happening all across Zimbabwe because of the work of Rock Cry Ministries has been going on for many, many years. And they're gonna go and they're gonna share Jesus. You gotta pray for them because it's a very unique year with the whole COVID thing. They're not even actually allowed to gather the groups together like they always have in in congregations to share the Jesus film. So they have to get on, on the ground and once their feet hit the ground, they have to come up with a new strategy. They're probably going to do a lot more door-to-door -door evangelism um, on this trip than they've done in the past. But we know that the Lord is in it. We know the Lord is going to bring many people to Christ and they're gonna be able to plant churches again this year as they go. So let's just stand together and let's pray over them. And um, Brother Don, and we've got a missionary in the house. Will you come pray over them? That God will bless them. And I've got um, the MC mic, you guys, that we're going to be using for this. It's such a privilege to, uh, to follow through with what Christ told us to do. Go make disciples. So uh, we're with you. Let's pray. God, this ministry to Zimbabwe is foreseen by you. We know that you've seen it in advance, and we are just happy participants. We know that the Spirit of God that lives in us can reach these people, heal all the brokenness that we've heard about, and lead them to you. 
We pray for each member of the team. We pray that you will bless them, prepare them in advance, and then when they go, may they see fruit from all this prayer and support that we can give them. Lord, bring down your blessing on this trip. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys as you go. Um, we're with you. We're behind you as a congregation. We'll be praying for you, right? We'll be praying for them as they go. Thank you. Let me say one more thing as we walk out of here, okay? It would be a huge mistake for me to close this service without giving some of you, maybe many of you, an opportunity um, here in the building, online, visiting with us, an opportunity to make Jesus your best friend. Um, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, and his name is Jesus, who gave his life for you. And um, if you do not know him, today would be a great day for you to reach out and take him as your friend. He is a friend of sinners, the Bible says. And those of us who have, are here today that know him, it's only because we confessed our sins. We humbled ourselves and confessed our sins before him and asked him to be the Lord of our lives, and now we're seeking to serve him all the days of our lives. If you want that salvation and you want that friendship, we are here. We have a prayer team up here. Actually, they'll pray over anything, any need that you have. Many people have come and asked for healing and those kinds of things. We will pray for any need that you have in the Lord, but if you'd like to know the Lord today, I would encourage you, reach out to me, reach out to one of our prayer team members. Grab somebody in the aisle next to you um, that they can help you also. Um, those of you who are online, you can reach out to us also. But until we meet next time, God bless you. Let's go out and impact the world with the gospel of Jesus and shine our lights brightly for him. God bless you, my friends. Thank you for joining our worship service online today. Our prayer is that the worship and the teaching has left an impression on your heart and that God will use it to inspire you to love God, love people, and penetrate our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you made a spiritual decision today, or if you need prayer, you can let us know by clicking the link to our online connection card. And then if you haven't yet taken advantage of it, you can download our church app where we have all of our announcements and opportunities, and you can also use it to share this week's message with a friend. And then you can also check out our website, fbclcart.org, to stay connected with us that way as well. God bless, have a great week, and we'll see you here again next week.